Now it should be on. Good. Last night we started the program with our Doug Batchelor series. We had uh, in total about 30 people that were here. Uh, six of them are non-church members. Two of them were inactive members that we've been inviting to come back. I need your help because if there's any way possible for the next few nights, if you can come at 7 o'clock at night, it helps those to come to feel the closeness of the church and it helps them to realize that we support this message that is going across. And so I'd like to have you, if you can, to be there again tonight and uh, to come for the next, well, nine nights now. And you might say, well, I've already seen this series. You're not going for yourself. You're going to become, to pray for those individuals who are coming. And um, the Lord will bless because of it. If you haven't had a chance to go out to the inactive members, I encourage you to do so. Um, if you have friends, one of our church members says, Oh, I've got a friend that I've been trying to get to come to just uh, partake of these meetings, and, and he came last night. Uh, so invite your friends to be able to come instead of staying home and watching a communion service. <laughs> So we'd like to have you there, if, if at all possible, to, to come and, and be a part of the service itself. The Lord is, is really blessed because of the series and because of those individuals who are here. There was another announcement, and a plum went out of my mind. Do you have a I'm having one of those days. Left my microphone someplace else, and... It's, it's, well, we won't even get into that. Let's have prayer and let's get into our sermon, shall we? Father, I need the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Touch my lips. Speak through me. Even though I'm unclean, let the words be pure, heavenly words as we seek your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. It was the trial of the century. Have, have you ever heard of murders that take place and it's big news like in Los Angeles, but if you go to Palm Springs, they've never heard anything about it. Sometimes the word doesn't get around. But this particular trial took place in Australia, but it went around the world, the topic there was books written about this particular event. There's even a movie made about it. Meryl Streep uh, portrayed Lindy Chamberlain in this movie. Michael Chamberlain was an Adventist pastor. Lindy, they had taken a camping trip with their family just to get away for a while, went to Ayers Rock. And as they were staying in the, the, their tent, their little newborn daughter, Azaria, was missing. Lindy claimed that a, a dingo, a wild dog, was the one that had taken the baby from the family tent. 
but the authorities charged her with murder. And so Mrs. Chamberlain spent a couple of years in prison. You heard the story. You've heard about it. You remember the talking about it in church and all the news events and everything else. What I want you to do is I want you in your mind's eye to envision yourself at her trial and you're on the jury. And it's your task to listen to the evidence that's presented. The baby's body is missing and, the, and they never found the body. So they can't use any of, of that as evidence. The dingo, there's a lot of dingoes there. He's gone, basically. There were no eyewitnesses. No one saw the dog taking the baby. No one saw the young mother take her, her baby in, into the family car and, and cut its throat. That's what the authorities said happened. But no one saw it. But you as a jury member, you have to listen to the witnesses that they bring in and you've got to weigh the testimony about the dingo prints in the sand and blood stains and, and the little that's on the little baby's jumper and then you've got to render a verdict based on the flimsy evidence. That have to be tough. That's really got to be a hard decision to make. Because there's so much writing on that outcome. I mean, the life of that young woman, her other children, her husband. There's a lot that's writing on this. The reputation of her husband as, as being a pastor. I would have a hard time being a, a jurist on that particular trial and have to make a verdict based on just that evidence. Oh, by the way, we're all on the jury duty of a trial of another situation. Right now, Everyone that lives on this earth is summoned to jury duty. And what we need to do is, is it possible to adequately prove that another murder victim, Jesus Christ, actually came out of Joseph's tomb on Easter weekend and is alive? Can it be demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt that the resurrection happened? Can we know that the biblical account is a correct one? It's necessary for yourself, for your family, as well as others to come up with some kind of a decision as to whether it's true or not. If you would turn in your Bibles and take a look at 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we want to begin with verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Paul is sharing. 1 Corinthians, beginning with verse 12, chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. So we've got to base a decision that either Christ was raised from the dead or he hasn't. And if he hasn't, raised from the, hasn't been raised from the dead, then all the preaching that we're doing, we might as well close the doors of the church. It's all futile. Your faith is worthless. Those of your family members who have died and have been placed in their grave, if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, then they have that, their life's stopped. Never to be raised again, no hope of a resurrection, no hope of being reunited with them. Everything that we talk about, we live about, we come to worship, all that is worthless if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. If there is no resurrection. So this morning it's necessary for us to look at the evidence and we must take a stand by faith. I call it Easter faith. Either Jesus Christ is the hope of the resurrection and is alive, or the Bible is a hoax. Either there is hope in Jesus, or there is no hope for the living or the dead on this earth. It's one way or the other. And we need to decide. Everyone in this world needs to decide. Now the Apostle Paul is on the jury duty and he's going to cast his vote right now. He's in the deliberation. He's heard the evidence. He's seen what he has seen and he's going to make a decision. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning with verse 20, 20 and 21. But now Christ, here's his decision, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man, and notice it's a capital M, the man, by the man also came the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, I already made my choice, and here it is. 
Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and it gives to me hope for the future. But what about the rest of us? Paul made his decision, but what about you and me? What are we going to do with this? Well, we've got to look at the, at the evidence again. Because the resurrection of, of, Christian, of, of Christ is the capstone of Christianity. If I remove it, the whole Bible and hope and eternal life, it all crumbles right before our eyes. The resurrection of Jesus is either the greatest feat in the annals of all recorded history or it's the greatest hoax. So let's take a look at three huge proofs that Jesus Christ is indeed a risen Savior. Evidence number one, there's an empty tomb. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 50. Christian world taking a look at Easter is not about the Easter bunny. It's about Christ, whether he has been resurrected or not. So we're looking at Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 50. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man, he had not consented to their decision. Indeed, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Jesus had died. Then he took it down. He took the body down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. An empty tomb. They, in their own, with their own eyes, saw his body wrapped in linen. They knew it was him was placed in that tomb, they saw that event taking place. And now they're coming back on Sunday morning, and his body is gone. And they remembered that his body had been not only placed in this tomb, but it's, there's only one entrance to this tomb. This is, we're not talking about digging a grave in the dirt. We're talking about a big rock that has hewn inside of it, a kind of cave-like structure, only one entrance, and then this huge stone is rolled across it that's very hard to move. And not only that, it was sealed 
so that no one, so they knew that no one could get in there because the seal was broken. But just to make sure that that was was there, they placed Roman soldiers with all their weapons placed uh, placed them to be on guard outside of that tomb to protect that tomb so that no one would ever enter in or leave that tomb. So these women, they knew that that had taken place. They saw it. But when they came Sunday morning, when they came early in the morning to embalm the body of Jesus, the stone had been rolled back, and inside the tomb was nothing. It was empty. The only thing that was in there was actually the the linen that wrapped the body that was carefully folded. You seen that email that's going around about the folded linen of Christ? Why was it folded? If you and I were raised from the dead, would we take time to fold a piece of cloth? Do you know the Jewish custom is that is that many rabbis, many teachers would have servants who would wait on them, and especially at a meal time, the servants would stand and they would wait for the the teacher to eat his meal and they knew that he was finished with his meal when he got up and his napkin, his linen, was laid in a heap. And they knew he was finished and then they could come in and clean it. But if the napkin, the linen, was carefully folded and placed by the, the, the seating place, they knew that they couldn't go in and clean up the dishes and the food and everything because the master is going to come back. And here's the linen carefully folded and no body. It's gone. It's empty. And it was being watched day and night. But now... It's empty. Maybe the Roman or Jewish authorities purposely took the body of Jesus. Wouldn't that be natural to think that? Maybe it was the high priest that came in and took Jesus' bodies away. So that, so that, uh, that they place it in hiding and keep it in hiding until after three days... And then bring the body back and say, see? See what? Take a look at John chapter 2. The Gospel of John. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 19. John 2, beginning with verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you think you can raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Jesus said, I'm going to be raised in three days. Resurrection. So if it was the Jewish authorities, if it was the Jewish priests, or even if it was the Roman authorities, 
they could very easily go in, take the body out, go hide it, and then in order to, to show that Christianity it was a farce, they could bring the body back after three days and say, now look at this smelly, stinking, dead body. Do you see? It's wrong. But they didn't do that. They didn't do it. They couldn't produce a dead body in three days. Because in three days, the body was gone. Maybe the disciples, maybe the disciples themselves had stolen the body and they took it someplace and, and they hid the body out of sight and then made up a wild story about the resurrection. But what about the Roman soldiers who were there who were to guard the entrance, the only entrance to that tomb? They were to guard it at all times. It would have been impossible for the disciples to come to roll back that big stone and go in and take that body without being noticed. Because all these guys are there with their weapons. All Peter had earlier was his little old sword that he cut off the ear of the servant. He was no match to the Roman soldiers that were there with all of their protective equipment and helmets and swords and knives and everything else that they had. So it couldn't have been the disciples that had taken Jesus' body from the grave. So an empty tomb on Sunday morning establishes in my heart the Easter faith in the resurrected Jesus. Evidence number two. Eyewitnesses actually saw the resurrected Jesus. John chapter 20. John 20, beginning with verse 11. John 20, beginning with verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one on the, on the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. See, she thought the body was stolen. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw who? She saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord 
and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. Eyewitnesses who thought that someone had stolen the body, but now they see it's not a dead body, it's a live Christ. But one of the disciples still didn't want to believe in the resurrected Jesus. He didn't want to be fooled. He thought maybe the rest of them had all been fooled. And take a look at verse 24, starting verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, after eight days after this Sunday morning, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. That's the Easter faith. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's us. Thomas now had Easter faith. He saw and he touched the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. So if you are a juror and you want eyewitnesses before you cast your vote, these men and women give overwhelming evidence that Jesus is indeed alive. Evidence number three. Transform lives. We could give many examples of transformed lives who have been changed because of witnessing the resurrected Jesus. But let's look at one of, I believe, most powerful example. And that's found in the Acts Acts chapter 22, and beginning with verse 1. Acts 22. Changed lives is an evidence of the resurrected Jesus. Look at verse 1. Now it came to pass that when he had departed from them and, and set sail, running a straight course, he came to Coos the following day in the roads. Wait, I'm in the wrong one. Chapter 22. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. Chapter 22 and verse 1. So he's, Paul is bringing his defense. And we heard that he had spoke to them the Hebrew language. They kept all the more silent. And then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus, but brought up in the city at the feet of the Galileo, taught according to the strictness of our Father's law, and was zealous towards God as you all are today, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women, those are Christians, 
as also the high priest bears me witness in all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said, to, to me, arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. And then a, a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up to him and then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men who have seen and heard. And now that and and now why why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And Saul, who lay, whose name was changed to Paul, because of that witness of seeing the resurrected Jesus, his whole life changed. The one who was persecuting the Christians because of their belief in the resurrected Christ, he was putting them in to be, to be punished and to be whipped and to be sent to jail. And then all of a sudden he sees, he hears the resurrected Jesus and his whole life is changed. Evidence of the resurrected Christ. Paul had Easter faith. He weighed the evidence that was there and he said, this is my Jesus whom I love and I now serve. Wow. Now these brave Christians who witnessed the resurrected Jesus, who were mumbling, bumbling, crying and weeping and hiding behind closed doors and full of fear and everything else, after seeing the resurrected Jesus, they became one of the most organized bands of evangelists that has ever swept this world. They began to go out with the power of God, the power of the resurrected Jesus, and they began to preach. And what did they preach? The resurrected Jesus Christ. And they were saying, here's the evidence. Here's what we saw. Here's what we heard. Here's what's happened. And here are lives that have changed. Take a look at Saul and how he persecuted us. And now he's Paul. And now he is, he is no longer persecuting us, but he is uplifting and preaching Jesus Christ, him crucified. And he resurrected as well too. And brothers and sisters, that is the evidence that is there. We've got to take now this evidence and we've got to come to some type of conclusion. It's possible as a juror to vote wrong, to make a huge mistake. In case of Lindy Chamberlain's trial, we know now that this young Christian mother was first convicted and was sent to jail for two, almost three years 
before finally was exonerated when they came across with new evidence. Evidence that she did not kill her baby. Evidence that she is innocent and was finally set free. Now, brothers and sisters, sometime at some point in our life we doubt. Sometimes we cast a vote and we say, you know, I'm just not sure about this Jesus thing. What if I'm wrong? What what if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead? What if this is all a hoax? Well, the evidence has been presented here this morning. You've got to make up your mind. What do you think? Is it a hoax? Or is it true? The only way that you're going to be able to find out is to reach out by Easter faith that this evidence is true and that it happened and that it is faithful and I can count on it. It's got to go by faith. Remember Jesus said, you know, blessed are those who have seen and heard and they believe. But those who have not seen and heard but still believe, they've got better faith. You'll be rewarded by your faith, by your Easter faith, if you're willing to accept it here this morning. It's not the Easter bunny we're celebrating is the resurrected Christ. Do I believe or do I not? You've got to cast your own verdict, your own vote. How is your Easter faith this morning? Let's turn in our hymnals to hymn number 517. stand as we sing 517.
silence of our minds. May you cast your vote. Do you believe in the resurrected Jesus? Or do you not? Lord, you've presented the evidence through me. You have given to us an empty grave, eyewitnesses, and in cases here in this church, changed hearts. It must be true. Jesus is alive. And he's promised to come and to take us home to be alive with him is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.